you're listening to the Depends on How You Look at It podcast, and I'm your host, Isaiah Bridge. Well, thank you for tuning in to Depends on How You Look at It. Today on the show, we're going to be discussing what is new age and is it bleeding into the church? And I'm so excited to be interviewing my wife, Megan Burridge, who has a phenomenal story about her journey into paganism and New Age and then being called out of that into Christ. So we're going to be asking her a lot of questions today, and she's going to have the mic for most of the show, and I'll throw in my two cents every now and again. So I would like to introduce my wife, Megan, and uh, we're just going to start here. Well, Megan, I'm so excited that you're on my show, and I'm so appreciative that you are taking the time to answer these tough questions and let people know about this stuff. Yeah, thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Um, I am just so honored that I get to be able to speak about it and share my testimony with others. So I think it's a good place to start where you were raised. Were you raised in any kind of faith environment at all? Yeah, actually, I was raised um, more like Catholic in name only. My parents um, took me to church a few times when I was young, um, but I've never really heard them speak about God or Jesus or what they believed in. But I was sent to a private Catholic school, um, first grade to senior year, where I learned all about the saints and the sacraments and um, things like that. So were you ever sold out in your Catholicism? Well, when I was young, I actually wanted to be a nun, um, and I, I really loved Jesus a lot, and I understood that he died for me, but I didn't understand all the implications of what that meant. Um, but as I got older, and the more questions I had that were not answered, um, I started to fall away. So you would say you never really understood the atonement and what Jesus truly accomplished, right? That's right. I had no idea what that was. Um, growing up, I, I realized now that I didn't understand what grace even was or that I was forgiven. Um, people always say, are you sure you're paying attention in school because I went from first grade to senior year and I, don't, I didn't know any of this stuff? But honestly, I don't remember being taught any of these things about who Jesus was. Honestly, I thought Jesus was just a random guy that God chose. I, I can't believe that I've gone so many years without understanding who Jesus really was. Yeah, I'm going to have to jump in there and say if Jesus was just a guy that God chose, we get into the heresy of adoptionism. Now, I, I know Catholics do not believe that, so I'm not accusing them, but the fact that Megan misunderstood that is you know, it's concerning enough. But what age did you start to experiment with other belief systems? I'm probably about 16 or 17 years old. Um, I was first introduced to the idea of reincarnation in an American cinema class in high school. It just, it just started kind of making sense to me, and it helped me connect things and pieces of my life together through the idea of, well, maybe this quirk or this fear is from a past life, because I have no idea how it makes sense in this life. And when I was about 18, I was diagnosed with bipolar depression. And one day I called my friend crying, 
just I couldn't understand my emotions or who I was or who I was becoming. And she said, well, of course you're upset. It's the Mercury retrograde. And I said, oh, what? What is that? And she told me that it's all about astrology and it's all about um, following the planets and the stars. A Mercury retrograde. So we're talking about the planet Mercury, but what, what in the world is a retrograde? So a retrograde has to do with the orbit and the spin of a planet. Um, it, it can be described either as an illusion from where we are on Earth that it looks like it stops, or it can be described as it actually starts turning backwards. I have heard both answers. However, either answer um, has a negative connotation on us and affects our lives greatly. Yeah, because I remember when we first met, you would blame everyday life turbulence and issues on astrology. You would search the internet and uh, see if something was in retrograde, and you would even blame problems in our relationship on a retrograde. So uh, that, that, that sticks out to me a lot. So did you truly believe that's what was causing all the issues in your life? Oh, absolutely. I followed that 100%. Like, Jesus is my firm foundation now. Astrology was my firm foundation back then. I grew up, I loved science, and I knew that the um, moon controls the oceans and tides. And I thought, well, if the moon can control the tides in the ocean, which is about 70% of our planet, it must be able to have an effect on me. Let's see, now as a Christian, would you be, be comfortable saying that life's issues really boil down to spiritual warfare? Yeah, absolutely. You know, before I was a Christian, uh, astrology was my firm foundation, like Jesus is my firm foundation now. I thought that I had such an open mind and a beautiful worldview, but it turns out that I was actually incredibly close-minded, because why would I you know, worship and follow planets and stars when I can worship and follow the one who created it, the one that is bigger than it, the one that went before it. That's, that's a fantastic answer. So when we were getting to know each other, how did you feel about me being an opinionated, like a theologically opinionated Christian? I was, it was more than name only. Like I had some very deep learnings and I stood on it, but how, how did that make you feel? You know, we really didn't talk about our beliefs that much in the beginning. I feel like we kind of just tiptoed around them, to be honest. And that really kind of just like, let me get used to the idea of you being a Christian because I had never dated anybody who um, practiced any sort of religion before. But as time went on, I was kind of like, mm, I, don't, I really don't agree with that, but we really get along and I love him. So we're just going to have to have our differences. Yeah, that's definitely true. I, I hate to admit this, but I have to. I was not in the best place spiritually when we met. Um, I'd been through a painful divorce. Um, my wife had left me for another man. I was bitter. She wouldn't reconcile. I was thrown into this single world and making not the best decisions. I hadn't lost my faith, but it it was really hard at times. And 
it put me in a bad enough spot to be willing to date someone of your beliefs. And I definitely don't recommend Christian people dating paganistic people. That's, that's not our dating advice. But somehow, God in his infinite wisdom made our mess a beautiful miracle. And that's really all I have to say about it, just Romans 8, 28 in action. But you started attending church with me. And I, I had invited you, but I, I made sure that there was no pressure, but you just showed up one Sunday. So I want you to be honest, What? why did you do that, and what did you think of the church? Well, I came because I wanted to support you because I loved you, as I still do, and I wanted to support you in every part of your life. Um, I, I wasn't really excited about going to church. I was really just going only for you. I had prepared to sit in the very back row and just kind of like observe it from a distance. And I said, man, if your preacher starts talking about how non-believers are going to go to hell, I, I can't. I can't do it, right? But you said, oh, our pastor like never preaches about non-believers going to hell. You're good. Well, you know, I'll let you guys uh, guess what the topic was that day. Yes, it was about non-believers going to hell. <laughs> and I remember sitting next to you, Isaiah, just giving you that look of, mm-hmm, okay. And you looked, you looked a little bit guilty, but maybe that's something that I needed to hear. Yeah, it definitely made me sweat a little bit, no <laughs> pun intended. But uh, for a moment, let's return to New Age stuff. So I remember vividly when we met, you had all these beautiful crystals, but you you believed they had power, and you you carried them around, and you had these this faith in them. So why'd you have them, and what did you believe about them? You know, I can't really remember how exactly I got started in crystals, but you know, I think my beliefs kind of went into a snowball. Where it's like I Google one thing and then I find something else and I find something else. So one day I just started um, becoming interested in crystals. And I had read that they all have a certain electromagnetic energy. And when they respond to your body, it's, it's supposed to help heal you. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I was diagnosed with bipolar depression. And that is, that is my personal thorn in my life. And I wanted... Nothing more than to cure myself from it. So I carried around a lot of purple gemstones and crystals because purple goes with the crown chakra, which um, I can explain that more later if you'd like me to. But it's supposed to help balance your mind and heal depression and anxiety. Well, why don't you just, I know you can't visually go into it because it's a podcast, but why don't you give us a rough rundown of what chakras are? Okay, yeah. Chakras are all about energy in your body and how it is distributed throughout your body. There is the root chakra and it goes up through your body to your crown chakra. And certain parts of your body correspond with certain energies and certain meanings. Now, since the root chakra, the bottom one, is red, if you want to feel more stable in life, you would choose something most likely red or otherwise associated with the same electromagnetic um, force. Um, basically, what I did is I learned to kind of cocktail crystals, as you will, um, and put different ones together. 
I was um, a big part of a Facebook group called Sage Goddess, which um, I thought was amazing. I thought we were doing a great thing, but I realized that it's, it's not exactly what it seems, you know, because Satan comes to you as an angel of light, and sometimes things that look good really aren't, and they are deceiving. Yeah, and I just want to say that crystals are not inherently evil. I mean, I don't have a history with them, so I don't have so much of a, um, I don't know, PTSD moment with them like maybe Megan has sometimes because she believed in them in a different way. But I could have a crystal on my computer desk and not think twice about it because it's just, it's something beautiful of God's creation. But we're humans, and as humans do, we... We take something beautiful and we idolize it and we give it power it doesn't have and we rob God of his glory. We've been doing it since the beginning. So I always remember you wore these crystal bracelets like everywhere. Why'd you wear those? Yeah, I wore those. Um, once again, they were two purple ones. They were my favorite. There was an amethyst, which most people have probably heard of. It's very popular. But there was another one called lepidolite. And those are both supposed to help me with anxiety and mostly depression. Wow. So, for the sake of time, can you summarize your core beliefs, the things you stuck to the most in your new age? So, as I already mentioned, astrology was my number one. And when I say astrology, I don't mean newspaper horoscopes or things out of Cosmo or whatnot. I mean actual natal charts or birth charts and these are calculated from where the planets were at the moment of your birth not the day of your birth but the actual time each each uh, planet would be located in a part of the um, galaxy called a house and depending on which house it is um, they can create all sorts of different um, personality types I also really loved receiving Reiki, which is a um, energy cleanser type ritual. I have definitely seen things when um, receiving Reiki. I have seen visions that have come true and nothing vague. It, it was spot on. When you're receiving Reiki, I actually have seen sm smoke spinning around the room. I have felt things pull on me. I have felt the room all of a sudden, it's, it's crowded. The woman who did it was, you know, invoking spirits to what she called heal me. Now, I believe that's not the case. But back then I did, and all of a sudden the room is crowded when she calls upon them. I also really loved um, doing tarot cards. I learned how to do them, and I did them for others. I loved going to psychic fairs and going to different psychics who used different card decks. Some had flowers, some had crystals, some had trees, animals, you name it. You can have any kind of card deck, but I just loved um, consulting with spirits. As I already said, I love crystals. I did at one point have kind of a PTSD feeling with them though. After, because when I realized how much I have offended a holy God, there were so many things that I could not do or look at. But now that I understand that Jesus has fully forgiven me, I, I can have them out. 
I don't like flaunt them or wear them anymore, but I can look at them. I love the dream interpretation. That is actually another one of my favorite things. Um, trying to interpret my dreams to help me um, make choices in my life. And I use those as signs to guide me. Yeah, that's... I remember all that very vividly. And if you hear crunching, that is our cat eating in the background. <laughs> so we are a married couple recording a podcast, and this is what it's like. But uh, something I, I really remember is the law of attraction. This is the one you really lived by, I think. And the law of attraction basically is... If you think it and will it and ask the universe for it and live like you have it, you can have it. You can be it. This comes down to healing, to financial issues, to friendships, relationships, and love. You name it. If you think and live like you can receive it, then the universe will grant it to you. And and Megan, I know you live like that. So I want you to explain to my uh, listeners, what are some of the habits you made to live within the law of attraction. So law of attraction really became popular for me almost towards the end of my um, pagan journey. And that is because one of my friends who um, was also pagan and new age really recommended it to me when I was having a hard time. She told me about a book called The Secret, which is all about what the law of attraction is. It is um, highly promoted by people like Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Um, basically, it teaches you to arrange your life to attract other things. The phrase for law of attraction is like attracts like. So let's say I wanted to attract a new boyfriend. So I would rearrange my life so that he would easily be able to um, come into my life. So I would move all the clothes in my closet to one side so I can make room for him. I would take off all the stuff off my passenger seat so he would have a place. I would move around my schedule to create time for him. Um, it's all just about creating energy and moving energy and just attracting. And whatever I feel and speak, I will manifest it. And really, when you do that, you put yourself in the position of being God. So I want you to catch that, listeners. It all comes down to you. All the good is within you. You, you have the power to manifest it. You just got to find it within yourself. Now, if you understand basic biblical theology, you know that naturally we're evil. Naturally, we're sinful. Naturally, our heart's desires are terrible and that it takes a miracle of regeneration and the Holy Spirit coming to live within us for us to have the desires to please God and manifest real good things, moral things. And I'm not saying an unbeliever can't be moral, but still the intention of the heart without regeneration is always selfish. And this was a whole new level because Megan believed that she could manifest anything she wanted, her future, and she was asking the universe and herself for it and not God. The source was always herself. So I think you have a lot more to say about this. So why don't you just ramble on? Keep talking about all this. This is good. Yeah. So when you try to attract things and then it doesn't happen or come into fruition, you are just so disappointed. 
you know, the culture today tells us that we are enough, that we, we are perfect the way we are. But, you know, I don't think anybody actually feels that way about themselves. Because if they did, why would we have to keep affirming it and confirming it over and over and over again? You know, I have this opinion that may be a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I personally believe that modern day happiness is from the devil. And before you go, oh, I don't know about that, just, just hear me out for a second. So the Bible tells us to have joy. God tells us to have joy. And biblically, joy is about being content whatever your circumstances are. However, modern day happiness and what our culture tells us is all about this like constant state of ecstasy. I have to have this to be happy. You know, I have to lose weight to be happy. I have to have these clothes to be happy. A certain amount of money, a certain car. Um, my husband or my wife has to be a certain um, person, you know, that I have to be a, attached to in life. You know, I have to have all like the perfect surroundings to be worth something. And, you know, when we don't have that, we don't feel worth. And that will just keep us um, in the most empty, empty place possible. But you need to know that you are made in the image of God. And that is where your worth is. Your worth comes from Jesus who died for you. Um, and you just have to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, um, I want to return just for a quick moment to what she was talking about, how she would uh, change her life to accommodate what she was believing in, like making room for a new boyfriend and, and actually changing her, her physical surroundings as if he was there um, and, and claiming that he's going to be there. And this is what I meant by some of this bleeds into the church because some of the things she said there's not a nickel's worth of difference between that and the extreme name it and claim it stuff that we hear in certain churches. Uh, and what I mean by that is when people are naming and claiming selfish things and not praying God's will in their lives, I'm, I'm all for going before the throne of grace and making our requests known to God, absolutely. But Jesus taught us to pray, His will be done not ours. So I, I hear things like, you know, I name it and I claim it and I receive it and I'm going to feel it and it's going to manifest in my life. I just got to believe it and keep on believing it. And I don't find that in my New Testament. I find that we're to pray in all things without ceasing, but to have joy in our circumstances and actually count it joy when we experience trials and like I've said in previous podcasts, who wants to have joy in trials? I think that's what makes Christianity so unique. It's not about worldly happiness. And we're all guilty of wanting it. Me too. But our, is our prayers, when we pray, is it centered around God's will in our life or our will in our life? And that's what we have to challenge ourselves with. But uh, I think it's time to move on. And Megan, I'd like to talk about, as you got deeper into New Age and this kind of thinking, how you went down a road that actually got you into a marriage, and it was very dysfunctional. So why don't you elaborate on that? Yeah, the way that um, relationship started was just kind of a snowball of events. I had met this person 
at a party, like a backyard get together, and I really, I really wasn't interested. Um, and I didn't even think about this person in like a realm of possibilities because this person was actually transgender. They were um, a man that wanted to be a woman, so that's what we call a trans woman in today's society. And um, I started to see this person more at other events, and we kind of just became friends. And I thought, you know, I thought it was kind of weird, but the more I got to know them, the more I started to accept um, who they were and how they were. And I don't know how that person feels or what they've walked through, so I felt like I couldn't tell them it was right or wrong. But as we became better friends, I learned that this person um, had a crush on me, and people encouraged me to pursue it. And before you know it, um, this person and I were engaged and married a few months later. Um, I had never once thought that I was bisexual. I never thought that I was gay. I just thought I was, you know, going to marry my best friend. And that's how we felt. Like, everything was just a wonderful adventure. Everything was just, um, everything just had to be the best with that person, you know? So it just, it made life fun. But unfortunately, you can't live that way because that's not how God designed marriage. At first, I was really fascinated by this really unique um, lifestyle. I saw this person inject themselves with estrogen, and I saw them have this complete life change. It was quite fascinating to me, really. Um, but over time, I just realized that this is honestly really weird. Um, this is n not what God intended. And, you know, I didn't believe in God back then like I do now. But I knew, I knew there was something wrong with it. And this created um, a huge tension between me and this person. Because they could never be happy. And I think this goes back to my theory about modern day happiness. Because they couldn't, they couldn't love me the way I deserved. They always had to have something. They always had to have new clothes to be more feminine. They had to have new makeup to cover up, you know, manly features. They had to, maybe if I just, you know, took these vitamins, I'd have more energy to love you and be there for you. And, you know, the list and excuses went on and on. And I quickly realized that this person could not be a leader for me. I did not realize then that I needed a spiritual leader. But I did know that I needed somebody to guide me, and this person um, just couldn't cut it. So you would say there was quite a bit of dysfunction and even abusive behavior, and you just really didn't see a way around it? Yeah, I would definitely say there was some abusive behavior, not in the physical sense, but in, you know, verbal and always, you know, blaming me. For their hardships, this person would lock themselves in the bedroom and lock me out of the bedroom all night um, and just ignore me. This marriage was, uh, 
I just, I can't believe I did something like that. I, it tore my family apart. Um, it caused a huge divide between me and my parents and some of my aunts and uncles. And I'm really lucky that now that has been repaired. But when I look back, like, I don't, I don't know if it was worth it. Because this person didn't love me the way they promised they would. Yeah, so this is a really serious topic, and um, we're opening up ourselves for this podcast because this is our past, or really Megan's past, but I got tangled up in this a little bit because shortly after that we met, and I had been through a divorce as well, um, not one of that dysfunction, uh, of that caliber, but we met, and I said before, God made a miracle out of our mess, so Megan, God called your name, and I just want to hear your story. What, what happened? Why, why do you follow Jesus now out of all this? Well, I'm actually kind of in love with my story and telling it. Um, so, you know, in the Bible, you always talk about this, that God never changed the worldview of the people that he spoke to. He went into their lives and worked with them. And that is what God did for me. He knew that I would listen to signs and dream interpretation. So I remember one day um, in the middle of winter, um, you and I were sitting on the couch and I just felt really empty inside. I just felt like my crystals didn't mean anything to me anymore. And maybe about a week later, he gave me a Bible for Christmas and I was like, okay, thanks, you know. Yeah, like, I don't know why you wasted your money on this, but cool, you know, and, you know, I just realized, like, I don't know what I believe anymore. I have nothing. Um, I would just sit there and feel hollow on the inside, and just, I have never felt more lost in my life. That was, that was a feeling that I can't really describe because I've never felt it before. And I haven't felt it since that day. But I really felt that God was erasing everything that I had written on my heart and was preparing to write his word upon it. Well, after you gave me that Bible, um, you know, you were in the living room watching football like you always do. You know, Mm -hmm. go Cowboys. (laughs) And I snuck back into the bedroom because I really kind of just wanted to look at it. And it's weird because... I don't want to say I felt guilty, but I wanted to hide that I was looking at it because I felt a lot of pride that I wasn't ready to let go of. So, you know, even though I went to Catholic school my entire life, I had no idea how to find anything in the Bible, Um, which really kind of surprises me when I look back on it. Like, how did I not know anything? I couldn't even tell you a major prophet. So, you know, that kind of tells you something right there, huh? But I remember flipping open. The first page I opened was in the book of Ezekiel. And the first line that I looked at and read said that the rebellious pagans will turn back. And man, that just, that really hit me. I knew that was for me because I believed in signs. And that, that was for me. That, I don't believe in coincidences. I never have. And I never will. I believe that everything has a purpose. I believe that in New Age and I believe that in Christianity. That everything has a purpose. And in that moment I was was like, oh wow, I really, 
I really need to work on humbling myself because I, I know I'm about to be called into Christianity. When I gathered the courage again, I opened up the Bible to another random spot and turned to the um, book Acts of the Apostles and found the story of Lydia. And there God opened her heart. And that's also where Paul went to Athens to preach to the pagans. Yeah, in Acts 17, he's in Athens and there's this all these idols and an idol to the unknown God. And it's quite interesting how he dealt with the paganism um, in that Greek mindset. So I, I obviously that was very heavy hitting to you, right? Yes, um, it really it's like a double confirmation right there. First, I was like, okay, I could maybe get out of this, you know, but after that, you know, it was sealed. I, I knew that God was after my heart, but I had no idea what to do. So God revealed himself to me yet again in two dreams. I'm not going to give you the lengthy versions, but I'm going to tell you enough that you understand the symbolism. So the first dream he revealed himself to me in was I was downtown in our city and all the buildings were knocked over. There had been a huge tornado and everything was just leveled out to the ground and I had no idea how to get home. Everything was just completely um, desolated. And then all of a sudden, thousands of angels are coming down at me and sirens are going off and they're just proclaiming that God is forever, God is forever. And I remember getting down on my knees to protect myself and, you know, ducking my head underneath something. Um, But they just kept coming at me and just kept saying that God is forever, God is forever. And I woke up and... You know, the next day I had another dream and I was in this pool and I want you to think about all the symbolism in this dream, by the way. So I was in this pool um, of water, obviously that symbolizes baptism, and there's this man that comes up to me and he's asking me about um, my pain and if I can describe it to him. And I I was like, "This, this is weird. Why would some random guy come up and ask me about this? And I said, you don't, you don't care about it. Why, why would you care about it? And he said, please explain it to me. I want to understand you. And I said that no one ever has before. And he said, I know that you love art. So I want you to create something for me that will show me how you feel if you can't use your own words. So... All of a sudden, I'm in this grand library, and it's it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. There are just stories and stories of books, and there's those, you know, those fancy uh, ladders that slide, and I'm at this table, and I'm trying, I'm trying to cut paper, you know, for this project that I'm supposed to show this guy about how I feel, and I cannot get the scissors to cut, and they keep sliding, and they won't do anything. And I had never felt more stupid than not being able to um, operate a pair of scissors. So I I give up and I go try to find this guy. And as I turn the corner, I see him. And he's working on this this amazing um, contraption. And it's a bunch of um, copper pipes and gears. And they're all turning seamlessly and working in unison with each other. And it's stories high, and 
he is in the middle of it. He's operating it seamlessly without even thinking about it. And I go up and I said, hey, I I can't do this. Like, give up on me because I can't do what you asked me to do. And he took my hands in his hands and he said, here, let me show you. Let me help you. And when I woke up, I just... I realized that that was God saying, like, I understand you, and I see you. I see you like I saw Hagar in her distress, and I want to help you, and I want to call you out of it. Yeah, and for anyone who may be thinking this sounds, you know, a little kooky or whatever, I I understand your concern, but God has spoken to plenty of people in dreams, and we can find that in the Bible over and over again, and I'm not so convinced of cessationism, the idea that all things have ceased from the New Testament era, the gifts and this, that, and the other. And who's to say God can't reveal himself to somebody in a dream? I'm I'm just not ready to say that. Now, I know some people say some ridiculous stuff, and when it doesn't line up with the Bible, then we're safe to reject it. But I, I, I don't I don't feel that my wife's story meets that criteria. In fact, I think it meets the criteria that God was changing her heart in a very unique way and emptying her of all the beliefs that she had and she was she had a lot of work to be done so i was quite amazed with how quickly her heart just shifted i mean it was she always says that grace isn't just a choice it was intrusive is that right yeah being saved by grace it's not about you know jesus is hiding behind a tree somewhere and you know, oops, I just stumbled upon him and found him. I, uh, he left 99 to come get me and he dragged me down. You know, I, I kind of feel like if I were a Bible character, I would be Paul because he stopped me dead in my tracks of persecuting him and persecuting the church and the things I was doing. And he said, no, stop, follow me and you your life will be devoted to me. I know that sounds weird that I'm comparing myself to Paul. I'm not trying to sound like that, but that that's how it was. You know, he stopped me just dead in my tracks and said, no, you, you cannot do this anymore. Absolutely. And I don't think you're comparing yourself to Paul. It's just you had a Damascus Road experience. You, God got a hold of you and it's it's quite a story and one you couldn't make up. That's for sure. So thank you for this interview. Do you have any closing thoughts to people that are struggling in the new age? Yeah, I do actually. You know, I have seen many sides. I feel like I can connect to so many people. I can connect to people in the LGBT community because of who I was once married to. I can um, connect to anybody in new age or anybody who just simply doesn't believe. And I will tell you that I hated him because I did not know him. That's the whole thing. Society, you know, you can go around and talk to people about who do you think God is? And you can get a hundred different answers. God is different to pretty much everybody who doesn't have a solid faith. So, you know, if you're practicing New Age, I really just want to encourage you to really think about what you're doing. Is this really fulfilling you? Or do you still feel empty because you are going to keep chasing and chasing 
um, because honestly, each one of us has a God-shaped hole in our hearts, and it cannot be filled by you trying to pretend that you are God. That is not how this world works. This world has order, and with you living outside of order, you will, you will never find peace. I have been there. I can tell you that. Um, I just want to read something to you that really um, convicted me deeply. And this is from John chapter 15. It says, The world hates you. Understand it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world will hate you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now that I have no excuse for their sin, the one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else has done, they would not be seen as guilty of sin. Now they have seen and both hated me and my father, but this happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled, and this is where it really hits home. They hated me for no reason. Now listen, I hated God my whole life because I did not know him. I went to Catholic school my whole life thinking like, oh, I know God, I know Jesus. Um, but you know, no, I didn't. I had, I had no idea that God, <laughs> this sounds so silly, but I had no idea that God was loving. I didn't ever feel good enough for him. I, I hated religious people, and guess what? I kind of think Jesus wasn't a big fan of religious people either, because those are the people who killed him. Now listen, um, Jesus came and just totally turned the world upside down, and said the first will be last, and the last will be first, and... You, you stand strongest when you are at the feet of Jesus and at the foot of the cross because when you humble yourself, you are exalted. And I really encourage you to just pray about it and ask God to reveal him to you um, because I promise you that his love is greater than life. Well, that was incredible. Um, I am so proud of my wife. She can articulate things a lot better than me when it comes to this stuff. I, I don't know where to start. So I'm so happy that I'm married to her, and I look forward to many years of sharing this story with people. Because like I said, you can't make this stuff up. And God has made a miracle out of our mess, and we will keep standing and persevering and counting it joy when we experience trials. Because trust me, our first year of marriage has been very difficult uh, with trials. But we're standing firm on the Word of God, and all things work for the good of those who love the Lord. So if you find yourself in paganism or New Age, I encourage you to really think about what Megan said. Get a Bible. Open it to the Gospel of John. Read about what Jesus really said, and not what culture tries to say he said, because I guarantee it's a lot different. So, um, you know what, guys? Until next time... It depends on how you look at it. <laughs>